you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another great interview to help you take ownership of your career, ownership of your life, to stop drifting and really take control of your future. Today, I am speaking with Milana Ragos, sorry, Milana Regos, who is the founder of the Unhustle Movement and is a rebel entrepreneur, ex-award-winning marketer, certified human potential coach, and podcast host on a mission to inspire 100 million people from all over the world to ditch the hustle culture mentality leading to burnout and begin a new way of living and working. Unhustle has been called amazing by Ariana Huffington and legendary by Christopher Lockheed, who is a number one business podcaster. Milana's Milana has spoken on global stages like World Economic Forum and Wisdom 2.0. Her work has been featured in CNN Business, Thrive Global, Authority Magazine, and multiple podcasts. And she believes that when you focus on well-being, resilience, and purpose, you can tap into higher creativity, productivity, and optimal performance. She lives the unhustle lifestyle between Lake Tahoe, California, and Baja in Mexico with her Australian husband and Mexican rescue dog. And you can download her free ebook to start your journey to Unhustle at unhustle.com slash ebook. Quick note, we recorded this live on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, I don't think we had any questions or comments that we necessarily refer to, uh, but we were live when we were recording this. And we cover a lot of great ground in this interview. Uh, I start off by asking her, what is the Unhustle movement? Um, We push back on overwork and kind of the culture that we have, especially here in the United States around work. Talk about the idea of the four-day work week, how to fight against the hustle culture, how to take back your mornings, and how to invest more time in personal care so that you feel happier, more successful, more fulfilled in your life. And we also talk about your own personal definition of success and what it means to own your career, own your life. Speaking of own your career, own your life, if you have not yet checked out my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, would love for you to go grab a copy, read it, take some action, establish some of the habits, take some notes, let me know what you thought of it, give me your feedback and leave a review on Amazon and send that to me so I can thank you personally. You can get the book on Amazon. You can also go to ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus to get all of my bonus resources, including the top three questions to ask when you face a big challenge, my own miracle morning routine uh, related to what we talk about in this interview, as well as the five steps to owning your career. Again, that's ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus. All right. Thank you again for tuning in. Without further ado, here is my interview I did with Milana Regos on the Unhustle Movement. Enjoy. All right. I am live with Milena Regos. Uh, Milena, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. Let's do this. Yeah. This thanks for reaching out. I'm glad we're <laughs> going to do this interview. So, Milena, you are the founder of the Unhustle Movement, a rebel entrepreneur, ex-award-winning marketer, uh, all this amazing stuff, speaking with a lot of people. Um, but of course, I want to start with the big question, what the heck is the unhustle movement? What are we talking about today? <laughs> well, it means different things to different people. What it means to me is taking time to design your life the way you want to live your life and run a business that supports your lifestyle by focusing on well-being, connecting with your values, 
having purpose in life and really living a legendary life and still doing an incredible success with work, which these days looks completely different to everybody. Yeah. I mean, one thing I've learned about success is it is, um, it's personal, right? It is different for everybody. And you talk about connecting to values and really owning your life, which I'm really big on. Um, but why is it called unhustle? What, why is this against, I, I, I know you're something about fighting against the kind of hustle culture we've gotten used to. What is that all about? Yeah, absolutely. So I hustled a lot in my younger age. Uh, I worked 18 hour days. I did burnout um, right when no one knew what burnout is. And it wasn't considered a diagnosis, whether I was languishing or had full burnout, I can't really tell you. But in my opinion, um, this whole notion of hustling all the time has a very, very negative connotation in my mind because it's the worst possible advice that can be given to entrepreneurs. And we're still in that mindset that the more you work, the harder you work, the longer you work, the more successful you're gonna be. When in reality, all the data and the science and the studies and everything points to the opposite direction that when you take time off from work, when you take time to recuperate, when you actually do some kind of self-care practices, when, when you give your mind time to rest, you're more productive, you're more creative, you feel better, you can think clearly, you have better focus. So all these principles, I, I studied under the Human Potential Institute um, to switch from marketing careers into trying to really optimize my mind and mind body. But in reality, um, you know, all the principles and practices that I've been following anything from, from like mindfulness, mindfulness meditation to like things like flow state and um, um, principles behind how to be more creative. All of them point really to, it's not, it doesn't happen when you're constantly you know, on deadlines constantly doing, it actually happens when you have a little bit more space for being, which all of us entrepreneurs are chasing ultimately at the end of the day is that freedom and flexibility and um, autonomy in our work, yet we become slave to our businesses and, and then we end up working 18 hour days. So I'm, I'm standing up against that notion that we need to hustle, that whole idea of hustle culture. Yeah. And thankfully the pandemic um, did something which um, I look at as, as really a silver lining in this whole situation that was it allowed us to slow down, it allowed us to reconsider mm -hmm. our priorities, it allowed us to open up all these conversations about mental health and and redefining success and um, employee well-being or personal well-being, which prior to that, which when I was um, going on my own journey, I felt quite a bit lonelier, but now it's so amazing to see a lot more people jumping in in that conversation and um, kind of trying to shift uh, our, our culture of overwork into more of a sustainable, more humane culture. Yeah, and I've seen that, right? And for many years, people, uh, I, I would see people using the word busy as kind of a badge of honor, right? Like, how are you? I'm busy, you got all this stuff going on. Like, okay, good. Um, because the last thing we want is to be seen as lazy or not useful or unproductive, right? So we need to be doing stuff all the time. Now, the interesting thing is you mentioned that the, the pandemic caused a lot of people maybe to slow down and really kind of take assessment on what's going on in their life or their business. The flip side of that that I've seen working uh, a lot in the corporate world is that people are actually working more than ever. 
right? Um, while people are engaged, they're more engaged and they're more productive, people are getting a lot of things done working from home uh, throughout 2020 with no vacations and the computer right there in the same house, you know, no commute, there were no like kind of end of the work day to kind of transition off that people are working a lot more. And I don't even know if it was because they felt like, oh, we need to hustle. It's just kind of like, there's so much going on and I need to make sure that I am being productive, adding value so that I don't let go. Cause there's a get let go. Cause there's a lot of fear uh, as well. Have you been seeing that? And like, how do you get people to slow down and stop working so much? Oh, absolutely. Andy. I mean, you hit it right on the head. So there's a huge amount of fear. And unfortunately some companies are also um, using that in a way of like, if you don't put in 55 hours a week, you may let go, you're not going to get promoted. Um, and this is when we talk about how do we collectively change our, our culture, right? And, and it starts with leadership, it starts with leaders. So I absolutely see that. Um, I work with people who are in in sometimes in that type of situation and how do you push back and, and establish boundaries? Sometimes boundaries is not what we put on ourselves, but also what uh, the corporation puts on us, right? Um, in terms of your... Busyness is a badge of honor. I mean, I just get goosebumps and like the hair on my back stands up when I hear that. How are you? I'm good. I'm busy. I'm, I'm busy. Like, yeah. What does that even mean? You're good. Right. You're busy. Is that is that good? Um, yeah. So I personally had to change my language around how I do that. So um, I got pretty deep into you know positive psychology and, and the inner voice and mindfulness and and how you control the inner um the inner voice in your head to how do you rewrite that story um and including how do you deal with that fear from a you know from a perspective of of course you don't want to lose your job right you want to yeah. you want right. to pay your mortgage that you want to feed your family sure yeah. but at the same time there's also competition for for talent and sometimes we get a little too comfortable si sitting in a job that we don't like and being scared to make a change. Mm. And at the same time, companies are reaching out to me looking for highly qualified people. Now, how, how do you get to be a high, highly qualified people and a high performer? Not by working all the time. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, when all, all the science points to um, being able to work in a state of flow or, or being productive at four hours a day, mm. You need to be able to step away. Now, these are things sometimes that we impose on ourselves, sometimes are not imposed on ourselves, but hopefully um, together, you know, I'm trying to, to to change culture by changing how people push back and I'm seeing success yeah. with that. Um, I'm also talking to leaders and companies who are also trying to make that change. So it's, it's a little bit on both sides. Um, it's not easy, you know, but um, I was just reading an article um, that stated there was a study done that working over 55 hours a week has led to 7,400, 7, over 700,000 deaths in a year oh. from heart failure and stroke. Hmm. So we, you know, we're looking at like sacrificing our life for work or overwork. Yeah. And on the opposite side, studies show that working 30, more than 36 hours in a week is counterproductive. You're starting to lose productivity. Mm. 
Interesting. So when you take a look at these things and you're going, yeah. okay, what's going on here? We're just trapped in an old mentality, right? We're trapped yeah. into that mindset that 40 hours is the way to go. And then yeah. there's Andrew Barnes with the four-day work week, mm. which is turning into a phenomenon. A lot of companies, even countries are going on a four-day work week. Mm. America is a little bit behind on all of this, but we'll hopefully catch up and catch up soon because yeah. you know countries in Europe are recognizing it. Japan, even Japan, there is a word in Japan, karoshi, right? Death by overwork. Even Japan is considering going on a four-day work week. Hmm. That's so, they work a lot in Japan too. <laughs> they do work a lot, but you know what? The funny thing is, Americans work longer hours than the Japanese. Hmm. We just don't have a word for death by overwork. Yeah. So right. how do you fight this? I mean, this is all ingrained in our culture, right? And whether you're an entrepreneur or you're in the corporate world, but let, let's let's go more to the corporate world because it's one thing to say, yeah, you know what? Melinda's right. I need to work a little bit less. I need to walk away and take a break. Maybe I'll work a four-day work week. Uh, but I have a boss and a boss's boss who uh, maybe they've shifted a little bit. I don't have to be in the office, but they expect me to be working and getting a lot of things done. They're putting a lot of things on my plate. And I'm afraid if I go back and say, hey, I'm not going to work this much, that they're going to let me go or I'm not going to get promoted. I'm not going to be able to move up because I'm ambitious. Like, how? Do, what do people do? How do you, how do you, what do you recommend to people in that type of situation? I mean, a lot of the leaders who believe in that working, you look, I, I personally had to change. If you're a leader and you're working so many hours because you're so connected and a lot of people love what they do right let's take elon musk for example right right he says i work 100 hours and i'm you don't change the world by not putting in 100 hours yeah a week. i mean he's like famously sleeping at the tesla office right under his desk right because he works so much although he's also has come out and recognized that he sleeps minimum six hours and if he doesn't get in his sleep he's, he notices his productivity drops mm. now here's a guy who's trying to you know really change the world the people who work for him are trying to have a good life save enough for retirement send their kids to college have a vacation right so you can't expect to have the same work ethic as elon musk he the people working for him are not making the money he's he's making yeah but how do you get to people like elon musk by showing the studies and the data and the research that shows that if you uh, investing in your employees' well-being and they show up more rested, more energized, more creative, more productive, you win. It's actually, and this, this is all the studies that, um, and in some of the case studies that Andrew Barnes from the four-day work week showed, right? That yeah. when he put his employees on a four-day work week, pay them the same amount of hours, his um, productivity levels went up, stress levels went down, employees were happier so it's looking i think when you start looking at the companies that are doing it yeah you start getting that banister effect right when when one person does it and all of a sudden is like whoa what's going on over there over here like people are happier people are more productive they don't quit their jobs they're they're producing more they're you know more engaged mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're going why am i not doing it so right. It, look, it's not for everybody, but I think you can experiment and, and, and try it. Um, I personally pushed back on my boss with regards to meetings many years ago. Yeah, tell me, tell me your own story. And by the way, 
for anybody watching live, if you have a question or a comment, feel free to put that in the chat. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but what is your story behind this, Melina? Because you came from the corporate world before you went off on your own, right? Well, actually, before I came from the corporate world, I came from Bulgaria, which is where mm. the accent's from. So I'm actually a first first generation immigrant in America, and I'm very grateful for um, having come here to, to pursue the American dream. That American dream for me, I followed the path of, of marketing career. I have an MBA in international marketing from San Diego. And then I worked for a media company in Lake Tahoe during the dot-com. I used to explain to people at parties how to spell, spell Google, and it was going to be a great next search engine. Um, so I was like a, a really a, the early adopter of online marketing. Yeah. Then I um, I got a job as a marketing director for a ski resort, which was one of my um, dreams, bucket jobs that I wanted to do, and I did it for 10 years, and I was very happy doing it. And um, then social media really picked up and I, um, I, I decided to start my own agency and um, started my own entrepreneurial journey, which led me to work with some phenomenal clients and celebrities um, like Madonna and Steve Nash and UFC Gym. And a lot of them were in the health and wellness area. And I loved what I was doing. Um, and I, I built a team of about 10 people and and I was the one hustling and I was asking the same of my employees until I had somebody, I had to present to a national conference, uh, I think it was, there were interior designers, on the um, differences between like Gen X and, and, and millennials. I don't think Gen Y was, was around back then, but I had somebody um, put the research together and I looked at the differences between millennials and Gen X. And I said, oh my God, I've had this wrong the whole time. I'm not gonna change the way millennials perceive what matters to them. I can either um, agree with what, how they, they wanna live their lives and how they wanna show up at work. And back then I started to um, actually allow my employees to work whenever they wanted. Because if somebody wants to work at, at midnight instead of at 9 a.m. in the morning and, and be more productive at midnight, then why would I stand in the way of them being more productive? So yeah. I allowed them for a lot more flexibility. We were actually working remotely anyway. But, but, but when I was working at the ski resort is actually when I pushed back on my boss on meetings um, because I was in constant, I was getting, I was getting 14, 16 hours of sitting in meetings, of, you know, these management meetings, and I didn't have any time to do the job he hired me to do. So I actually pushed back and I said, look, if you want me to do the job you want, you hired me to do, I need, I need creative time. I need to be able to work alone. So I actually start working from home one day a week, just mm -hmm. as an experiment. I said, look, get me off like these meetings, let me work at home. That was the year the SKU Resort actually won a marketing award mm. and we crushed it in terms of revenues. So interesting. Yeah, you have to start small, you know, you have to baby steps. I mean, don't get fired. Like, don't go to your boss and say, that's it. I'm not working any more than 36 hours. I'm working four days a week, 36 <laughs> hours. I'm not going to make your meetings. Actually, right. four, four hours a day. Milana said I can do it. You know, you gotta like you gotta have buy-in and you gotta you gotta start small, but also ask how are we measuring productivity because it's not ours. Hmm. And we all know it. You have some days, you have time that you get so much done in one day. Yeah. And then a week goes by and you're like, what did I accomplish today? Right. And we all want to perform and accomplish and, and check off to-dos list and, and it feels good. Now, part of the reason a lot of people, you were talking earlier about why people are working longer from home. 
a big part of that reason is because the alternative to that work is um, the way we, most of us, look at rest, meaning grab a beer, sit on the couch, watch TV. Your brain doesn't get stimulated the same way as when you're working. So from a perspective of, of what's, what's happening in your brain, the neuroscience behind it, if you're involved in some really challenging activity, like you and I were talking that I, I went to Baja, I wanted to learn to kiteboard, that, yeah. you know, that was a very challenging activity to me, very rewarding because I was making small progress. I was completely focused, fully in flow. It's the same amount, it's the same kind of um, level of, of focus and, and challenge to skill ratios. So it puts you in a state of flow. You're, you're very... And you get a lot of, um, you know, dopamine and um, all these brain chemicals yeah. that you get when when you accomplish something really meaningful. But without that, we gravitate towards work because it makes us feel good. So the question is to 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 find things in that way, like hobbies and active rest and deep playing. That's why you hear really successful people going going and sailing an ocean or climbing a mountain in their time off or taking designated time periods to do that because right. it's actually invigorating, it's challenging, it's creative, um, and flow drives more flow. So people you can get, people get more. people get a lot more fulfillment from growth, from challenges, um, and from contribution. And yeah. we don't get that much fulfillment from sitting around watching TV or sports or whatever it may be. And and I wrote about that in my book. Like I I made that shift in my twenties. I spent a lot of time watching sports. All my downtime was watching sports and going out drinking with friends. And you know, there, there's there's nothing wrong with those things per se. But if you really want to be growing, I think you got to take a look at how you're spending your time and where you're spending your time. And are you being productive with your work hours? And then are you being productive with your your other time or to like grow or you know build you know find happiness or joy in your life? You know, to learning something like kiteboarding. Which I tried once, by the way, is really, really, really difficult. It's really hard, man. It's, I yeah. thought I was gonna die. I thought right. I was gonna die. I was like, "This is it. I'm gonna die." And but this was my actually my aha moment. This is when I decided to change my life. Yeah. Um, when I was in the middle of the ocean, the Sierra Cortez, you know, getting dragged behind a kite, fighting for my life with everything I got, and then all of a sudden, I just I had to surrender. I just had to let go, and all of a sudden, everything got really quiet around me, and I was like. There's more to life than working. What am I doing? Why am I killing myself? Like my mm. parents both died young from a couple of different, you know, uh, health problems. And I was thinking, what, what am I doing with my life? Like this isn't right. Um, so yeah, kiteboarding is super, super dangerous. I still get on my knees and say a little prayer every time I connect to the kite yeah. and I still do it. But that in a way is also dealing with fear. Mm -hmm. Right. You are, we were talking about dealing with fear. Fear is, is a, you know, from a mindfulness perspective, the way I've been trained to deal with it is like there's a, a whole, pr a whole uh, practice you can do to, you know, locate the fear in your body. And, and actually, instead of trying to push through it or, you know, overcome it, you, 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 it's more about accepting it and welcoming it because fear is there to tell us something. Right. But mm -hmm. we very rarely tune into our bodies and try to figure out what that, what that fear is telling us um, instinctively we're always going to be afraid of something. Um, but right. it's a question of, of being comfortable with the uncomfortable. And, and kiting teaches me that um, another thing that I do, which may sound silly, but, you know, take a cold shower in the morning. When mm -hmm. you're sitting there, like, with a hot, hot shower and you're trying to turn it to cold, I mean, that's fear, right? Yeah. But you're not going to die if you turn it to five seconds. No. <laughs> but it is hard. I've done that uh, many times. And it's it's never easy. 
Um, but it, it's again, it's discomfort, right? And growth happens from getting out of your comfort zone. Um, so let's go back to that, that hustle culture and and help some people. Uh, I, I definitely see the allure and the value of the four hour or the four day work week. I think uh, there's a lot of people out there. If we're really honest, we're wasting a lot of time on our work days, right? And if we if we have to constrict it and say you got to get all your work done in four days, and that's going to give you more free time, you're going to probably zero in, zone in, and get more productive. Um, what are some ways people for people to unhustle, as you say, on this on a day to day basis? Especially, let's say, hey, I'm not going to get my boss to completely change the culture. I probably still got to put in at least 40 hours. Probably got to work five days. Um, but I want to cut back from like the 60 hours to 50 or 40 and have some more free time and feel better about my life and what I'm doing. Like, how do I, what do I do? How do I stop hustling so much? Yeah, sure. Um, first off, I'm not that big of a proponent on the four day work week because mm. um, I, I personally, I think you need to do what works for you. I mean, if you're a company that what works for the company, that's great. Um, when I say I'm a big proponent of it, it's just one way of, of going about it, right? Um, Personally, what works for me is work shorter hours, but work five days. But I also have the flexibility if I decide to do four-day work week that I can do it. Some of the steps that um, I recommend to people to start with is um, take back your mornings. And so um, take five to 30 minutes in the morning just for yourself. And I know a lot of parents have a really hard time with that. Um, but basically, if you want to, it's the counterintuitive of like having a slow morning. So I, I started this unhustle morning um, rituals called like I use the sunrise method. So um, S is for sunlight, so getting some sunlight in the morning. U is for starting your day with, with without being unplugged. So without the emails, the messages, you know, just having a little bit of time for your thoughts, for your reflection. Um, and is like spending time in nature. R stands for reading and writing, and there's a lot of like science behind why reading and writing is good for your creati creativity, cognitive abilities. I is for setting your intentions for the day. So what are the, like the top three things you want to accomplish this day, like the most important tasks for the day that will make you feel good at the end of the day. Um, S is for stillness. So that's like your gratitude, mindfulness, meditation practices. And E is for energy. This is um, like just a little bit of movement, kind of get the, the, the body moving, whether that's a, a quick heat workout, you know, energy, um, cold shower, bulletproof drink, yeah. whatever it is, right? So basically, I'm not saying take these rituals, make them yours, but I'm saying have certain amount of practices that you can choose and, and choose from each day based on your mind and, and body energy. But having the morning, so for, for you, with a little bit of time for you, ideally 30 minutes, but as much as you can, to, uh, will give you, bring you a little bit of balance and calm and focus for the rest of the day. And another thing that works for me is, is kind of like, see if you can work in a state of flow, which means eliminating distractions, which means, um, Going, going past the fear of, of working on the most challenging project that we constantly push back to the end of the day and then and then it doesn't get done and that's why we end up overworking um, most of the times. So doing the most challenging project first um, and then using uh, basic kind of neuroscience um, tactics to, to be able to, to put yourself in a state of flow, like having a designated um, place to work, even if you have to work at the kitchen table, like putting a, a tablecloth so that it's, you know, when it's time for uh, play and 
food and nourishment and when it's time to work because otherwise your brain just gets trained into like oh this is the place where you know we socialize and then you immediately get into like distractive mode um doing one thing at a time obviously um, closing all the tabs eliminating all the distractions from your phone like turning off notifications i mean all these things that we do know it's i'm not sharing anything earth shattering here yeah. we just don't do it we don't, right? we don't do it right, right? so it yeah. comes down to the practice i mean i've studied with a lot of like monks um you know teachings and, and all of them teach you one thing over and over and over again yeah. how to bring your attention how to focus how to bring your attention how well, to they don't focus. have a lot of tabs open on their browser some do some have gone from you know monks to like being entrepreneurs and sharing what they've learned in the monastery so yeah. so some do um but it's the same thing over now how do you control your mind and the way do you control the awareness and the way you control your mind is by controlling your awareness right so so let's say you you feel fear you're aware that you feel that fear it's a question of locating it and moving that awareness to now you feel calm. Um, so, and we can go deeper into some of these practices. But basically, the way I look at it is how do you take care of the, what's the most important for you to do? What's the most essential for you to do? And what makes you happy and gives you joy at the end of the day? Because, you know, we're not living to work. We're working to live. Yeah, right. right? And, and work is not life. It is for many people. Uh, but nobody gets to the end of their life and says, I wish I would have worked more, right? It's it's very rare. Uh, you look at the top regrets of the dying and all that sort of stuff. And, right. and I and I love that you mentioned, because there may be certain things we can't change about our job, but there are many things we can change about our life and how we approach life and taking time for self-care. I'm a big fan of the morning routine. I wrote about that in my book. Um, and following the Miracle Morning by Hal Rod for many years. Uh, since 2016, getting up early and practicing the Miracle Morning meditation. Yeah, I disagree with the Miracle Morning. Let yeah, me tell, tell you me. why. Yeah, why? because I'm not a morning person. Yeah. A half a lot of people are not morning people. But um, so getting up at four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning may work for some people, may not work for other people. I'm, I believe right. in knowing your chronotype, which is your gene of when you must awake and, and when you mm. must sleep, and working with um, when you're productive. When you're most productive based on your chronotype and there are yeah. various tests online that you can take and, and you can find your chronotype sure. having a morning routine i stop waking up with an alarm clock at all i you know because it doesn't work for me it's just not that i'm not that kind of person but i may have I'm, i may do my morning routine at you know seven o'clock not at five o'clock that's what works for me yeah. um i think working when when working with you with your bio, biology instead of against it is really key and this is where nine to five doesn't work for everybody because if you're if you're most creative at 10 o'clock and then all of a sudden your boss constantly schedules schedules meetings at 10 o'clock you can't get your work done right right and that's why i think leaders also need to get more in tune with like what are my employees chronotypes this is when remember earlier i was telling about the millennials and some of them are saying well i'm the most productive at 11 o'clock at night hmm. That's why I had to let go. That's why I yeah. had to say, if that works for you, that works for you as long as the work is getting done. But then you're not measuring when people are showing up, you know, online, but actually what's getting done. Right. And lean into that. Figure out when you are productive. I am more of a morning person, so it works for me. Right. Um, you got to think about when when this works for you. But also, everybody has a different situation. What does your schedule look like? Where can you make the time that maybe you've been resisting it? 
if you can go to bed earlier, you might be able to become more of a morning person and get up earlier. Um, but it's the, at the end of the day, it's really about making time for self-care, um, things like uh, meditation, reading, writing, setting intention, you know, having that stillness, getting some exercise, some movement in your day. And I find that when I'm doing all those things, I'm feeling a lot better about my day and my week and my life. Uh, and that leads me to the last question I wanted to ask you, because I don't want to go too long here. Um, but there's there's a, a drive in our society to achieve success, right? And we started this interview by talking about the idea that success is personal, right? The, the definition of success. And a lot of people are driving towards success. They want to get that promotion or move up, become CEO or vice president one day or run a big business or you know whatever it may be. Um, but, and there's nothing wrong with those, right? But success is different for different people. So how do you talk about that and, and reframe that definition of success or what people are really striving for? I think the best way to go about this is, is to get really clear on your values. Mm. I did a lot of work in that area when I was looking at pivoting my career and what did I really want to do? Because and hustle is obviously something that's deeply, deeply connected with my values and with my purpose in life. And so getting clarity on your values is key. It's interesting that you bring that up because yesterday I was, you know, I had a busy day, just like everybody. I have a lot of things to do and a lot of things to accomplish. And I looked at my dog and I was like, you know, we haven't been for a walk in a long time. So I took her around this lake and we're walking around the lake in nature. And and it's and just a constant reminder to myself how good that time off is because I I always come up with really good ideas that would never happen if I'm on, the, on my desk. But it was funny because I was just thinking, this is a really successful day. I'm outside in nature in the sunshine with my dog. What could possibly be wrong? And it puts you in such a good mood that you can actually accomplish from work perspective a lot more. So defining success on your own, uh, you and I talked about a little bit about before we hit life. You know, I designed my life the way I want to live my life, doing the things I want to do, living in places I want to live. And to me, that's success. If I have a smile on my face every day at the end of the day, like I feel good of what I accomplish, to me, that's success. Spending time with my husband, with my dog, to me, that's success. Having my health, it's my success. But it's different for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. I had to let go. And there's a big ego thing in there. Um, and I had to just surrender and let go. And instead of asking, what do I want to get out of life? Yeah. Say, what does life want to get out of me? And mm -hmm. being able to surrender and let go and be a little bit more fluid with that. Um, so it's up for everybody to figure this one out. But um, success is not necessarily material things or not necessarily titles or not even necessarily money. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I love it when people get to really design their life and live the life they want. And people ask me about success. I always think it's it's living life with no regrets. It's, it's really being happy uh, and satisfied and fulfilled with your life. That's success. It doesn't matter whether you are uh, a CEO with a thousand people reporting to you or just doing uh, you know, your job on your own or running a little business. Uh, you're getting by and you're happy with your life like that. That's success, right? You get to define it. Uh, last question for you, Milana. Um, my book and this podcast are called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. When you hear that, what does that mean to you? Well, I think you were describing me. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it for you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I love the title. And I think at the end of the day, that's really what people want right now. There was actually another article I just read how 
how people's perception of how much money they need to have to have that financial stability dropped by about $300,000 during the pandemic. So clearly money is not an indicator for for what success looks like. But yeah, on, 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 your, li on your career, on your life is exactly what we're all trying to achieve, right? Having freedom, have, having autonomy, having the, the choice to do what you want to do, wherever you want to live um, and do something that makes you happy and brings you joy every day. I uh, love it. Absolutely. It's about taking ownership, responsibility, designing the life that you love. Uh, for those watching live, I think I already dropped your website in the show description. Uh, but for those listening uh, later on, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, follow you, uh, 